This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Like the last day of the conference, I went, I went down to the hotel lobby just to do some blogging and felt like the Holy Spirit was like, no, just, just spend some time praying. Like, I see that your daughters are, they feel like they're marginalized and they feel like they're shut out a lot of times. And just kind of said like, Lord, however you want to use me to mobilize women to share Jesus, like, I'll do it. Hey everybody, welcome to The Calling. My name is Richard Clark and I am an editor for Christianity Today. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Jessica Leap Fick, the author of Beautiful Feet and the host of the new podcast, Ears to Speak. I'm here with Morgan Lee to introduce our guest. Morgan, welcome. Yeah, I'm, so I'm Morgan and I'm an assistant editor here at Christianity Today and I also co-host our current events podcast called Quick to Listen. I feel like it's been a couple of uh, episodes without you. Yeah, I think we've been out of town at different times. Today we're talking to Jessica Leapfick. She is the author of uh, Beautiful Feet, and she's hosting a brand new podcast called Ears to Speak, which is a cool podcast. It's about basically learning to be listeners and learners in relationships. Morgan, this is something you know something about. I'm often praised for my listening skills. Yeah, and this is how you approach relationships, right? Like, um, one of the things that we talked about was evangelism and framing evangelism as building relationships and listening and learning from people. Still emphasizing, you know, the gospel when it makes sense to do so, but really like framing evangelism as part, uh, part and parcel of what it means to be in a relationship. Have you heard that approach before? Yeah, I feel like I have, but um, Jessica has a really a really fresh way of talking about it and uh, in particular has some like life experience that has led her to this um, particular place. We also talked quite a bit about the difference that comes with being a woman in evangelism, especially like, especially like formal evangel- evangelistic ministry. And I found that really, a really insightful way to actually cover the Billy Graham rule a little bit. Very interesting. You know, I know we're about to do a plug for our magazine, and I actually wanted to plug a piece back from our June issue that was called Why We Argue Best with Our Mouths Shut, which I think probably touches on some of the themes that Jessica does. Um, And the deck for that was Science Reveals the Power of Being Quick to Listen and Slow to Speak. Basically, this piece is just about like how you can be really persuasive just by being a good listener and offering that to people, which is sounds like it'd be perfect for a complimentary reading for anyone who is going to enjoy this podcast. Totally. I 100% agree. If you want to read that article, you can only do it if, you, if you're subscribed. Otherwise, it's going to be locked for you. If you want to subscribe, you can uh, go to orderct.com slash the, call, the calling. That's orderct.com slash the calling. Uh, by subscribing to CT Magazine, you'll be supporting thoughtful, essential journalism and helping us to continue to produce episodes of The Calling every other week. Here is our episode with Jessica Leap Fick. Enjoy. Your Twitter account says you're a dance party instigator. Oh, yes. What does that For mean? For sure. 
You just start dance parties wherever you go. <laughs> uh, well, I love to do dance parties with my sons. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have two sons, a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. Awesome. And uh, my husband is a big collector of vinyl. So we have a lot of vinyl in our apartment in Kansas City. That's cool. Yeah. So, you know, we'll put on some Fleetwood Mac. We'll put on, um, I don't know, Eric Clapton. I put on Cat Stevens to clean mm-hmm. up. Because... Uh, a lot of ways the dance party instigation is like the cleanup instigation. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, let's have a cleanup dance party. That's and so smart. yeah, That's it's like, really let's smart. make it fun. And then we can like boogie down and sweep the floor. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I put on cat Stevens the other week and my nine year old Ruben was like, mom, this is really good music. Mm. I like this. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah, this is really good. Music. It's been around for ages. That's right. That's yeah. right. So it's so weird. The music is one of the few things you you can play 20 30 years after it exists and it's just as good yeah like film doesn't hold up no even writing in some ways ages yeah in a way that music just doesn't yeah that is so weird i never realized that until now it's true i mean i think the sound quality like you know there's a difference between sound quality of like sure vinyl yeah cassette cd yeah but I will say I watched Goonies over the Fourth of July, <laughs> and that movie, and that holds, movie up. holds up, man. <laughs> One-eyed Willie is still scary to little kids. Like. Uh-huh. Back to the Future <laughs> series just came out on Netflix. Oh, yes, and I'm terrified to watch it because you're worried it's not going to hold up. It can't. Right? I no no. Okay, so I will say first one totally holds up. Second one, you know, except for Star Wars series, yeah. you know, second one just can't hold up. And yeah. Third yeah. one. What's the third one? Which it's one's the, the Western one? The one with the train. One? The third one's the, I hate Western, the Western one. one. I know. It's really hokey. It's a, such a disappointment. I know. But I feel like the second one's even worse. It's like the apocalypse of the future. Like I don't Biff, remember that. Biff runs everything. He's oh, like doing that's the good coke one. in the tower with his mom. <laughs> I mean, it's like the Empire Strikes Back that's of the Back the, to the Future series. Yeah, well, so. that's the best one. Yeah, it's the dark one. Okay. Um, so we always start the podcast other than talking about Back to the Future. <laughs> Uh, we always start these podcasts with a, a simple but not so simple question, yeah. which is how are you to find or describe your calling? Yeah. I think my calling really is to empower women mm-hmm. to share their faith in bold and loving ways. So living it out and speaking it out. Yeah. What does the love of Jesus look like? So why women? Why women? Yeah. Why not women? To quote a book title. That's fair, I guess. <laughs> um, I think... In part, I've just seen a lack of resources available for women specifically dealing with what are the nuances when it comes to sharing their faith? Uh, What are the unique struggles that women have getting educated to share their faith, feeling confident sharing their faith, preserving and building relationships as opposed to uh, getting in arguments? And I think the perception of evangelism is I'm going to be a man that argues a lot. And so <laughs> I really wanted to empower women to see, you know, actually, this is something you do um, because you love people like yeah. you, and you love Jesus. And it doesn't have to be weird or argumentative. So what was the point at which you realized that that was your calling? I think in part, the evangelism calling came a little bit separately from the specifically to women calling. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure which of those you'd want me to talk about. Talk about both. Okay. Start with the first one. The first one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so the first one, I had been on staff with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship for a couple of years. And in training students, I realized the thing that brought me most joy mm-hmm. was when I was training students to share 
Jesus mm. or leading people to Christ. And um, there's a myriad of other things you have to do when you work. What um, was your role at that point? Yeah. So I was a campus staff member. Okay. So kind of, you know, wore many different hats, like training small group leaders, yeah. you know, giving Bible messages in front of large groups, training leaders, um, organizing outreaches. So it was a lot of different things, fundraising. Mm -hmm. But when I would show up to campus and get to take a student out to do conversational evangelism, like where you strike up spiritual conversations with strangers, that's what got me psyched. And mm. so... Were you psyched before you did it? Or did you? was it like the after effects? Because for me... I don't get psyched oh, yeah. to do that. No, I mean, like, let's be honest, really. Like, if you tell anyone, hey, let's go talk to strangers about Jesus. Let's go witness. Let's go evangelize. Yeah. People are going to be like, that sounds okay, like the worst. Yeah, the worst. Like, no. Yeah. yeah so um, I think it, in part, like, <laughs> I think in part, I just realized, like, when I stepped out in faith and needed the Holy Spirit to show up, mm -hmm. it was like a s shot of adrenaline to my soul. Yeah. And I, you know, it was like, man, God shows up. He's faithful. And even if things don't go the way I'd hoped or thing, you know, things maybe weren't that great, which of course sometimes they weren't, it just pressed me back into Jesus. And so I loved seeing what evangelism did for my faith journey personally. Yeah. So, um, so I think after a couple of years of that, I just, kind of realized like huh i really like talking to people about jesus right. and like helping other people to do the same thing okay so i'm uh, i'm always fascinated by things that are different than what i'm used to like one time we had uh jd greer on the show and he start started talking about like witnessing the people on the plane okay and i was like uh how do you do that? Because I don't <laughs> do that. That's like classic evangelist story. Like talking to any evangelist and they're like, this one time on a plane. Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. So then I forced him to tell me about a bad yeah. time oh, that yeah, happened sure. where he didn't for actually sure. succeed. So do you find, do you actually intentionally go out to, for the purpose of evangelism, like on a given night or day or whatever? Is that a thing? Is that in your mind like a, because I know a lot of people do like lifestyle evangelism, sure. whether they use words or not. Like, right, right, we can right. debate about that. But like, yeah. there's the idea of like just getting to know people, being friends with people, that sort of thing. Yeah. But is this something that you say, I'm going out uh, to this location and I'm going to witness to people or evangelize people? Yeah, I'm going to Meyer. I'm going to talk to 10 people about the gospel. Right. Um, no, I don't do anything like that at this stage in my life. Um when I was growing and developing as an evangelist and training students, um, I did. So I think a lot of it is just listening to the Holy Spirit and thinking through your life stage of what is going to be the best next step as far as like developing as a witness. So, you know, going on spring break trips in Jamaica or things like that, where the purpose was to share the gospel with as many people. Yeah, I would walk up to strangers and think like, okay, I'm going to step out in faith and be challenged to talk to at least five people about Jesus. Um, and in that context, I think it's good and appropriate, like on a college campus, um, that, you know, people are there to talk about ideas. It's like Acts 17, you know, Stoics and Epicureans, like hang hanging out on their smartphones with their cold, cold brew coffee. So, um, but I think now, like, you know, I'm, I'm in a different stage of life. I've got mm -hmm. kids in an elementary school. I live in a neighborhood. And so, now it looks more like asking the Holy Spirit to open opportunities um, to love people, to speak words of truth to them. So I don't, I don't think there are, 
I think it's just being sensitive to your context where you're at yeah. and also like the challenge the Holy Spirit's giving you. I think we assume we do that sometimes when we mm. don't. Like mm-hmm. I know that I will look at my phone walking into my apartment and there mm. are clearly neighbors like sitting outside sure. uh, yeah. being willing to talk to me. Yeah. I have plenty of opportunities right? and I act like because <laughs> I live in Wheaton and I work at a Christian company. Yeah. I like, oh, I'm in this bubble. I, I wish right. I had opportunities to get to yeah. know unbelievers. Yeah. I, that's, you know, like you can justify, you know, wishing all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. The reality is I'm not working with what I have. Yeah. It's a crazy struggle. That's a really good point, Richard. Like, I, <laughs> I'm serious. Like it is because yeah. I think a lot of us, it's like, we're just kind of tuned out to it because mm-hmm. we're going to work, we're going home, we're going to church, we're doing our thing. And when we're not, we're on our phones. Right. <laughs> so, you know, right. like I'm guilty of that too. Yeah. So I think like what I've been challenging myself with lately is um, being mindful of creating the space for the spirit to direct me. So like uh, my son had a Boy Scout camp the other week and um, my boss was flexible enough to let me work from home a, a couple days a week this summer. And so uh, I dropped him off. He got on the bus and then I got to hang out with another mom who had dropped her son off. And our our kids are about the same age. So we just like spent time on the playground hanging out and talking. And um, she just like really opened up and started sharing about um, the struggles she and her husband have been going through lately. Um, he's been out of work and looking for a job. And, you know, I just sense the Holy Spirit saying like this these are the moments like yeah. these are the moments you need to listen to me and to be open and present to share hope. And, you know, I didn't go through like the Romans road or anything like that. Yeah. It was simply saying, that's rough. I see you. I acknowledge you. I care about you and I'll pray for you. Like, um, and I, you know, I followed up with her just to ask like, how's it going? I'm still praying for you. And I feel like, that's always appropriate. Like, even if people don't believe in God, I, they feel really cared for when you say, I'll pray for you about something because they know you believe. So, yeah, I think just taking those opportunities and sometimes that's with acquaintances and friends. Sometimes it's with strangers. Like, there's a stressed out barista mm-hmm. that I talked to um, the other week when I was, my husband and I did a little like honeymoon trip here in the Chicago area and it was really fun. But this barista man, like you, you could just see the stress on her face. She was like, oh, like wiping her brow and stuff. <laughs> she wasn't and trying to hide it. She was not like, yeah. clearly it was like she was having a terrible day. Yeah. And so I just asked her, I'm like, Hey, I know this might seem a little strange, but how can I pray for you? Mm-hmm. And she just like breathed the sigh of relief and said, can you just pray that life would get better? Hmm. And I was like, can I pray for you right now? She literally grabbed my arm and was like, yeah, please pray right now. Yeah. So I just prayed for her like, you know, quick, like very brief, like God, you know, Anna, you see what she's struggling with. You love her, help her to see the ways you're, you're caring for her, help life to get better. That's cool. And you know, it's, it's not a big thing. Like, yeah. And then I got my latte and it was fine and yeah. it wasn't was, a big dramatic thing. I was going to ask if you have noticed anecdotally if people have responded. Have you, I will ask, have you Just noticed, ask it, man. Just ask have you it. noticed anecdotally if people have responded less like positively no. to prayer? Because mm. it seems like a trend, right? Like, sure. especially as Christianity is not the dominant culture, people right. are less 
putting less stock in prayer. Sure. And some people, especially these days, in the light of a lot of tragedy, oh my gosh, pretty yeah. frustrated with the idea of prayer as yeah. a, it's seen as like a scapegoat or something. Yeah. Yeah. You could see how that person in that situation could easily go like, what? That's not going to do anything for me. Yeah. Give me a job. Yeah. Yeah. That I want. Right. You know, I don't want to work at Starbucks. Yeah. Hire me for something better. <laughs> get someone else to make your latte. <laughs> but what, so what did it, like, do you, do you ever get something like that? I don't think I've ever had anyone tell me that they didn't want me to pray for them. Yeah. I think in part, I mean, and there's different levels of relationship, right? Like I have more of a relationship with my friend Leslie, mm-hmm. who's, our sons are in Boy Scouts than I do with Anna the barista. Yeah. And so you know, the level of involvement in their lives is going to be pretty different. And so like with Leslie, there were practical things mm. I did and said like, hey, here's this personality test that really helped me figure out my passions and a career path. Like, let me send you a link so you can figure out someone that maybe you and your husband could do this with because just learning about yourself and what makes you tick, like helps you find a job you want. So but with Anna, the barista, like she's got 10 more people in line behind me. She's got to make drinks for. And right. so, you know, I'm not going to be like, tell me about your life, Anna. Like, what is what is Andersonville really like here? And what are your struggles? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just not the appropriate context. So sure. I think um, like I had a boss once that uh, his his phrase that he often used was ora et labora, which is Latin for work and pray, hmm. pray and work. Mm-hmm. Um which I often think about that, like, what am I doing to pray and actually engage in the spiritual reality that God can change lives and God can change situations. God wants to use me every single day to bless others and proclaim truth. And then Labora, what am I doing to work and actually make that happen? Hey, Morgan, we're interrupting this podcast to talk about another podcast. What's up? Which podcast? Have you heard of Monday Morning Preacher? I have. It's really good, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a podcast with uh, Matt Woodley and Kevin Miller. Two of our colleagues. Two of our colleagues here at CT. And they sort of like talk about, they sort of nerd out over preaching. I found it super helpful. I mean, interesting and helpful as a person who's now working in the area of preaching and pastors and stuff over at ct pastors Mm -hmm. and uh and i think anyone who is a pastor or is interested in preaching would be would find it super helpful don't you agree i totally agree yeah and it's also really short for people that are kind of intimidated by long podcasts yeah it is it is the shortest podcast we do i think it usually ranges around 20 minutes so check it out You came to the conclusion that you loved evangelism. Yes. You're called to evangelism. Yes. At what stage did you say, I want this uh, the women evangelizing mm-hmm. to be a big part of my focus? Yeah. I think partly my own journey as a woman feeling really alone mm. in trying to share Jesus, not just like friendship evangelism, not just writing materials, but like getting up and preaching the gospel. Yeah. When I started to feel that call, I, I asked around a lot of mentors, like, well, who are who are people I could look to for role models? And most of them gave me the answer, um, Becky Pippert. Like, she's, you know, kind of classic, out of the salt shaker. Um, she's also an university person. So I just felt really discouraged. Like, come on. Like, there are millions of people in this world. What about the great cloud of witnesses that's gone before me? Like, surely there are more women out there. Yeah. So when I started to dig and find 
learn a little bit more history about the role women played in scripture, in the early church, throughout history of the really bold, amazing things they were doing. I just realized like I'm part of this amazing legacy and um, I don't think other women know those stories. Like if I didn't and I was like in full-time vocational evangelistic ministry, I just, you know, I was like most women going to church probably have no idea how powerful God wants to use them in the lives of friends and neighbors and family. So um, that was one thing that clicked for me, just like, oh my gosh, these stories have to be told. Mm -hmm. And like these women have to tell their stories because their stories are really important. God's using them. Um, I think the other turning point was uh, seeing the ways men and women lead differently and realizing like, there just needs to be more models yeah. of what is what does it look like to proclaim Jesus and to do it faithfully in all of who you are, not just like, look at me, I'm cool, I'm on a stage and I'm a speaker, right. but like, I'm making muffins for my neighbor and my baby just fit up on me right. or, you know, I'm inviting friends over for a book club about spiritual things because I want to have a, a opportunity to share those things with them. So I was actually at a Mothers of Preschoolers conference in Kansas City a couple years ago, and I was there with some girlfriends. I had started a mops group um, in part because I, I needed friends. We had just moved to Cleveland, Ohio, and I was like, oh, my gosh, my children are driving me crazy. I need some friends. Like, I need yeah. friends for my kids. So we started a mops group and then went to MomCon, which I realized, Richard, is Sounds like the dorkiest thing ever. MomCon. MomCon. It's just a con for moms? Yes. A convention for moms. Convention for moms. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Never heard of that. It's less dorky than Comic-Con, I'll promise you I want to go a dad con. I think there is a dad con. It might be Comic-Con, actually. I, I think you're probably right about At that. At this point. But yeah, so I think one of the things that was so striking to me was seeing a sphere where women were invited to lead holistically. So um, the MC of the conference, um, uh, Kendall Parkhurst, had just had a baby like six months before that. And she was MCing the conference, holding her baby. And I just never seen oh, wow. anything like that. Like, you know, I've gone to Willow Creek Leadership Summits. I've gone to like, you know, uh, oh, exponential like church conferences. I I just had never seen that. And one of her co-hosts just said, like, yeah, Kendall, you know, helps to plan this whole conference. And, she, you know, here's her cute baby. And, of course, all the moms, like, ood and odd. Yeah. And it just, like, that one image just struck me of women just leading in different ways. And just because you're in a certain season of life doesn't mean you're sidelined for ministry. So I think seeing that and then just sensing God saying to me, like, you just need to share about, like, who you are. and encourage women to be who they are and what stage of life they're in so like i like the last day of the conference i went i went down to the hotel lobby just to do some blogging and felt like the holy spirit was like no just just spend some time praying and um so i got down on my hands and knees in the hotel lobby like in this little like (laughs) corner nook that had some like comfy chairs and stuff and just kind of said like lord however you want to use me to mobilize women to share Jesus like I'll do it like I see that your daughters are they feel like they're marginalized and they feel like they're shut out a lot of times like are there challenges that come up again and again that you find yourself speaking to the flirt to convert thing man Uh I'll tell you what like women who 
are trying to share Jesus and are friendly and engaging um, get mistaken for someone flirting. And, yeah. and that, I mean, especially with college students, I think that's really hard because, you know, dudes are looking to connect. And so, yeah, I've seen that frustration time and time again of like, how do I share Jesus if a guy is just trying to get my number? Yeah. So, What's the solution to that? Uh, well. You have to be clear. Yeah, I bet that's yeah. the solution. Clarity. Clarity, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I Which mean, doesn't work, by the way. <laughs> so, I mean, sometimes guys are just like, <laughs> hey. They're like, so like, you're telling me there's a chance. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, you want to exchange contact information. And the girl's thinking like, yeah, to follow up, to invite you to a Bible study. He's yeah. like, we're totally going out for tacos on Friday night. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, um, so I think for women, just like, honestly, if the dude is not interested in Jesus, like, and you keep talking about Jesus, mm. he's going to get the picture. And mm-hmm. so I think just absolute clarity and then bringing men into the picture as well, like mm-hmm. saying, hey, this is my friend Josh. Like he leads that Bible study I told you about that I go to on Thursday nights. Like, Josh, here's, you know, here's Eric. Like, let me connect you guys so you can figure out a time to get together. That's a pretty clear way to say, like, I, the thing I'm interested in is helping you fall in love with Jesus right. and not like try to date me. It, uh, so. I'm going to make an assumption. Sure. It doesn't seem like you ascribe to the Billy Graham rule. I do not. You do not. I do so the not. Billy Graham rule for people who don't know is never be seen, never be in a, what? Ne- ne- what is the rule? Never ne- be alone with a woman. Never be alone with a woman. In whether public it's public or in private. Or in private. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the big, I think. Yeah. And there was some like articles about that recently, right? Yeah. Like there's our- one, one recently at the uh, Gifted for Leadership yep. at CT. Um, that's why it's on my mind yeah. personally. But yeah, it's just like a. It's definitely been. It's a conversation that happens around the offices for sure, sure. In terms of like, yeah, what B- Billy Graham's legacy here at CT. Sure. You know, oh, sure. you wrestle with every part of it, and that's a really <laughs> interesting part of it. I think. Yeah. Uh, so you could see why he applied it for himself. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I think, yeah, I think people just need to know themselves. I get frustrated because people will say, "Why aren't there more women leaders?" or "Why." why aren't we seeing more women in different spheres of influence? And if you're not willing to meet with women leaders to invest in them, um, you're not going to see them. And since there's a lot of times an imbalance of leadership that there's more men than women, um, I think it's just like shooting ourselves in the foot if we don't, one, um, model what healthy gender relationships look like to people outside the church. Um, Two, know ourselves enough to know when there's red flags like i'm really looking forward a little bit too much to this lunch meeting you know to say like hey i'm gonna bring someone else with me or can we meet in a public place or you know when i get there i'm gonna call my spouse to let them know you know i'm meeting with josh or i'm meeting with Lindsay. um these fictional friends that i just made up on the spot yeah josh and Lindsay. Lindsay. hey josh and Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) shout out shout out to my imaginary friends um (laughs) So I I think what makes me sad is just the the level of fear when it comes to relating to op- the opposite gender because mm-hmm. there's women who want to be invested in who want to be um trained and coached and I think rather than making rules that just say absolutely not ever it's helpful to say um what are healthy ways we can relate to each other as men and women yeah and what are things we need to do interpersonally and internally um, 
to protect ourselves against temptation, to guard ourselves against unfaithfulness. Sure. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Um, wh- was there ever a time uh, that you came to doubt your calling? Yes, what, a lot. What was that oh like? Oh my gosh. Is there one that sticks out to you? Um, yeah, I remember once I was preaching at a, um, the college I worked at in West Michigan and it was an evangelism and justice outreach, mm-hmm. um, trying to highlight fighting against human trafficking, what role Christianity and the gospel plays in that. And I'm making an invitation to faith, sharing the gospel. And literally as I'm speaking the words in my mind, I'm thinking this is insane like hmm. the gospel is insane this is crazy like why as would anyone believe this <laughs> yeah like, as in un, as in like i can't i'm you, you were struggling with believing it not even that just I, I don't think i was struggling with believing it myself i yeah. think like just sometimes hearing the words of like god came to earth in the form of a man right. <laughs> jesus yeah who was sinless yeah like just the kind of the awe and mystery of the gospel, like yeah. how God makes that true, I think struck me. And I, I think the Holy Spirit just carried me in that moment to say like, it is crazy, but it's true. Just keep going. And stranger than fiction kind of thing. It is. Yeah. It's, you know, but when you see it time and time and time again, you're like, it's, it's real. It's an amazing, miraculous story that yeah. God makes true. Did that affect you outside of that moment? I think afterwards I was like, whoa, what was up with that? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and I think it made me realize the reality of spiritual warfare and, you know, that there is a battle going on right. to dissuade us um, from believing the truth, to dissuade us from living out the things God's told us to do. Yeah. Like there's always, I think, the presence and push of the evil one to say like, you don't matter. You're not worth it. Like you're a failure. You're not good enough. Like you shouldn't do this. I mean, I... I was at an evangelism conference early on when I was called and um, I was sitting at a table with a group of guys and uh, this one guy, like we, we had just sat down, we're like eating sandwiches, asked me my name. What do I do? I'm like, Oh, I'm an evangelist with, you know, university. And, uh, Oh, are you married? Do you have kids? Yeah, I'm married. Well, how do you submit to your husband if you're an evangelist? <laughs> Literally, this is like the third question. That kind dude, of a loaded question. Asks. And so, I mean, it's like the, it's like the, uh, you know, the party where you hear the record scratch, yeah. like when the nerd like does something bad. And, uh, and I just started shaking because I was so upset. Yeah. And it was so, it was so painful. And thankfully, some of my just good, good brothers at the table kind of heard what was going on and were like, hey, let's, let's, uh, can we join your conversation here? And they're like, let us tell you about Jessica and what we've seen God do through, through her. And, um, you know, when you have people like openly confronting you, like, Mm -hmm. should you even be doing this because you're a woman? Yeah. It definitely rattles you and makes you feel like, um, am I doing the right thing? I mean, when I, when I had 
when my kids were really little and I was traveling and preaching the gospel on college campuses across, you know, the regions across the Midwest, you know, I'd, I'd wonder like, is this, is this okay? Yeah. Yeah. Is this okay that I'm pulling into the McDonald's and nurse, nursing my son, right. bringing him to this campus outreach? Yeah. Like, I don't, this is really hard. Yeah. Is this okay? Yeah. It's funny. The combination of, um, I've had this, this as well since I'm like a, I'm remarried. So, mm-hmm. um, th- there's always like little things where there's differences within the yeah. church and you understand oh, the yeah. perspectives, but it still is like brutal yes. <laughs> to have those interactions and you have enough second guessing yeah. yourself Oh my gosh! for like a million people. Yeah. So to have it come from outside is a awkward, yeah. horrible sort of experience. I feel like it is. What, what would you say has been your biggest struggle? Well, maybe you just said it. <laughs> Is that your biggest struggle in the work you do? Uh, just actually, I'm sorry, I never got to. What is what role do you have now? Oh, you're you're on sure. staff at InterVarsity for InterVarsity. I was. What What are you doing now? Yeah, I just watch Goonies all the time. Okay, now. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> With my kids. How do you get that gig? Um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this past August, my family and I moved to Kansas City, where mm-hmm. I took a job with. Stonecroft, which okay. is an evangelistic ministry to women, and I serve as their evangelism resource director. That's awesome. It's super awesome. So you felt called to evangelism with women, and then you got that as a it. job. Yeah, and That's seriously, great. I'd prayed for that for like two years. Yeah. I just felt like, man, God, if I could just mm-hmm. help women share their faith and like come up with new ways for women to reach their friends. So what sort of things does that organization do? Yeah. So... Um, well, like I mentioned, provide evangelistic resources for mm-hmm. women to use with their friends. So I was on a phone call with some of my colleagues earlier today, and one of them is doing this outreach called Tales of the Tattoos, where she gets women together and they share about the significance of their tattoos. Yeah. And one woman who's got, you know, a spiritually significant tattoo shares about that mm-hmm. and is able to share the gospel. So it's wow. it's just a way to like build bridges and build connections. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, so that's kind of some of the stuff we do. We're, we're in an interesting place organizationally because we've been around for over 75 years. Wow. A long time. That's longer than CT. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. So, um, the ministry started just from prayerful innovation in evangelism, Mm -hmm. trying to reach women and historically has been a ministry to like the up and outers. So a lot of ladies luncheons at country clubs and, Hmm. you know, fashion shows, kind of what you would picture nowadays as like the cliche of women's ministries. Sure. But the cool thing is a lot of these women's ministries are still happening. Like, so we have probably 60% of our volunteers are 70 and older and they're still doing these luncheons. They're still making these connections. And just last year, over 3000 women became Christians through these christian women connections so that's amazing it's really cool so it's this intergenerational thing yeah Yeah. so what i do is i work with a team to try and innovate new methods of evangelism because they basically have been in in decline for 30 years and so they they just realize like hey our mission is the same but we just we didn't keep up with the right methods to reach today's woman so um they hired me and some other people essentially to like be the Jimmy Fallon's to take over for Jay Leno. And uh, somebody was like, well, actually it's more like Jimmy Fallon taking over for Johnny Carson. (laughs) And I was like, you're right. Like they just kind of missed the cultural shift in the nineties. And so we're trying to make that jump and it's been really fun and exciting as God 
connects us with women across the country and world to develop new resources. I've been working on um, this series called Conversations, mm-hmm. focusing on specific um, specific areas that women struggle with. Um, like a, a what do you, what kind of series? Like a kind of like um like a written thing. Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, some people call them Bible studies, but they're not. Okay. They're more like a spiritual book club using Got it. scripture. Yep. So if you if you have the feel of a book club where you kind of are like, I can relate to this character or this yeah. is an interesting challenge or have you done that in your life? Which if you think about it, probably is a better approach. Well, I mean, I guess it could go either way. But the Bible is a book. Yeah. We should read it the as Bible's a book. The book. What? It's a yeah. true book. Yeah. We would get together, together and read a nonfiction book and yes. we wouldn't go verse by verse. We wouldn't. Yeah. We wouldn't. And we wouldn't have weirdo hesitations right. about about stuff what does this mean to you yeah i wouldn't necessarily say that either or like taking weird extrapolations from scripture and being like well this means i should (laughs) blah 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 so basically i've tried to make it so that it it has more of that feel to Mm -hmm. say like level playing field anyone from any religious background no religious background can come in and interact with scripture and share about their own life and their stories and how her story connects with the story of scripture and connects with the stories of the women in the room she's sitting in. So the first one came out and it was on the topic of rest. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women feel stressed out, burned out, exhausted. Um, The next one that I just wrote is called um, Known, How God Knows Us and Sees Us. And they're just four sessions, really easy to be done like in an hour. And, um, we did this with a group of women in Kansas City and it was it was just super chill. Like we got together for dinner and, you know, drinks and just spent an hour talking through our stories and the stories of women in scripture. Yeah. So awesome. It was fun. That's cool. Yeah. Um, how has ministry changed you? How long do you have for this podcast, Richard? Uh, we have about twenty more minutes, Max. <laughs> But I've got to ask the last question at some point. So okay, there's like a big last me? question that I ask. You everyone. do, yeah. So what is your favorite ice cream? Yeah. Okay. Not really. Okay. It's different than that. Okay. Well, I'll keep that in the back of my mind. Okay. And if you want to know that, you, you can, can just you dread. Can ask. You can just dread the big secret last question. <laughs> You're gonna spring it it's on me. It's not that bad. You're gonna ask me like really hard theology questions. It's not a theology question. Okay. It's a personal question. It's a personal question. Ooh. Someone, so, <laughs> this is exciting. Made it worse. Okay, uh, go ahead. Someone did ask me last week. I spoke at the Amplify conference mm-hmm. down at Wheaton yeah. and led a seminar um, on my book. And um, I opened it up for Q&A at the end. And the first question was, what are three things you love about your husband? And I was like- What a weird question. Yeah, it was from this like older white guy. And I was like, in the moment, I was like, well, I, you know, I love blah, 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 blah. But afterwards, I was like, what the heck? Like, yeah, what, is what does the... this have to do with anything? That's a weird It was question. weird. So if you're listening, I'm, I'm sorry, but that was a weird question. I'm prepared to answer that question today. If you am going to ask me. <laughs> it might be it. I'm writing <laughs> Thanks, it down. Random dude amplify. I'm writing that down as one of the stock <laughs> questions I ask everyone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So how has ministry changed me? Um, I think the words of John 15 have become so real to me. Um, apart from you, you can do nothing. Just realizing my dependence upon the Holy Spirit and that if I'm not abiding with Jesus and being with him, like I just don't have anything good to give to anyone. 
my kids, my husband, my job, nothing. Um, I think the, the wonderful thing about that is what, you know, John 15 goes on to say of, um, you know, he prunes us and so we can bear even more fruit. And so the reality of, of going through those pruning times has been so painful. Um, but I think hanging on to the hope of like Jesus is doing good things, even in the midst of suffering, um, because he wants to bear fruit for his, his glory and his name. So I think it's put suffering in perspective differently. I think it's put work in a different perspective of what does it look like to work with Jesus instead of for him. Um, it's enabled me to become more of who God created me to be and yeah. like have joy. Yeah. Um, if you could get into a time machine, this oh. is the last question. <laughs> if you could get into a time machine and go back in time and talk to yourself, what would you tell her? What would I tell her? Fire up that DeLorean 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> it is. And then like crawl in with my bubble goose vest into the mall parking lot. Sweet Nikes, Twin Oaks mall parking lot. Um, I think I would probably tell myself, don't hold back. I think there was a lot of time in my life where I felt like I'm just too much. I'm just too out there. Um, And fear really held me back from pursuing different things or saying things I wish I would have said. Um, so I think that's what I would tell myself. Can you think of concrete examples of like things you didn't do, you wish you had or you held back? Yeah, I think I would let myself listen to the voices in my head that would talk myself out of doing things. Mm-hmm. So whether that was something really simple, like wearing something I really liked mm. to preach in, but feeling like, oh no, it's too much. Like I can't wear bright yellow to preach in. Yeah. People are going to think I'm a weirdo or realize I'm a woman. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. I can't realize wear a skirt. A yeah. Um, you know, just that I would feel more secure. Like don't hold back. Jesus made you who he wants you to be. He mm-hmm. loves you. He delights in you. You've been listening to The Calling. Jessica Leap Fick is the author of Beautiful Feet and one of the co-hosts of Ears to Speak, the podcast. You can find that on Apple stores right now. You can follow her at Jessica Leap Fick. Uh, Remember to rate and review the show on iTunes. It helps us a lot. You can give us feedback at CT Podcasts. The Calling is produced by Jonathan Clausen. Theme music by Lee Rosevere used under Creative Commons 4.0. This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bow's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind, from mentoring one woman to leading a ministry. Browse Bow's podcast at beyondordinarywomen.org.